You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's awesome to be with you this morning. It was fantastic, those of you that could make it over to the building. So fun to go through that with you and to just remember God's faithfulness. Today's a great day to remember the faithfulness of God and how he's shown this church so clearly and abundantly, I've got you. And that's a really awesome thing to do. And so we're very grateful for that. We are also very grateful that Dwight and Courtney Hordyke, they had their baby and so we're very excited to welcome Mr. Silas into the Calvary family. So give a round of applause even though they're not here. It's exciting. It's always exciting to see babies born, uh, new life, and to see new life in some of you. That is exciting as well. We're going to continue in Galatians chapter 5, looking at only one gospel fighting for freedom today. And so let's pray, and then we will dive into things together. Lord, thank you for another day. Thank you for life and for breath. Lord, we really do come and say thank you for everything you're doing at 150 Royal Street. We don't want to be like the lepers who never came back to say thank you. We want to constantly have praise and thankfulness on our lips. You are such a good God. And we thank you. Thank you for being faithful, Lord, to our church. Thank you for providing for answering the prayers that so many people here in this room have prayed. We thank you that we are, I'm looking right now, my eyes weren't closed, at that building and how amazing it is. So we thank you for answered prayer. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to uh, dream big dreams, to pray big prayers, as we would consider how you would have us to use that building for your glory. We pray that that building, that many wise biblical decisions will get made in that building. We pray that new life in you would be found in that building. We pray that people would be encouraged and strengthened and sanctified and grown in that building. We pray that that building would reach out into the community, that people would know the love of Christ through the body of believers here, practically served by that space. So we thank you for that, and we pray that you would help us as a body not just to have this great building, but to use it well and abundantly for your glory. In your name, amen. All right, let's start by reading Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16, as we always do. God's word is our anchor, and so that's where we want to always start. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16, but I say, walk by the flesh, And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. How many of you have seen Lord of the Rings or know of Lord of the Rings? Okay, a good chunk of you here in the crowd. Uh, When we flew to Mexico, I needed something to do on the flight. And so naturally, I downloaded uh, the original trilogy of The Lord of the Rings. And if you know those movies, you know that they're so long that even a trip to Mexico and back couldn't get me through the trilogy. Uh, But it was a good start. And if you know Lord of the Rings, you know that there's a character named Frodo. And Frodo is just a regular dude, even if he's a little, little regular dude, with the task of carrying the ring of power. And this ring of power is an evil ring. It's full of evil and it was forged by the evil Lord Sauron. And Frodo's task is to go and destroy it in the fires of Mount Doom. And if you haven't seen the movies, you might say, well, that doesn't sound pretty bad. That sounds pretty easy. Just take the ring and go and drop it in the mountain and on we go with our life. But there's a problem with this ring. And what's the problem? The problem is that the ring is full of evil and it wants to return to its evil master. It wants to be found. And so it pulls Frodo towards evil. As he carries it, it poisons his soul as he carries it. And it tries to be found. It wants to be found by Sauron. It wants to be found by his evil ring wraiths, which are pretty scary dudes. And so throughout these movies, you follow Frodo on his journey with the ring. And you watch Frodo because every single step of that journey is a fight. And it all has to do with evil. Whether it's the evil that's growing inside of him that causes problems or it's the evil around him seeking to find him and destroy him or whether it's just the sheer weight of carrying this evil. At times in the movie you can see that it's just utterly exhausting. We see the pain very clearly in Frodo of carrying evil. And as we consider Frodo, we can see much of the story of our Christian life in him. Because every single day, it's a fight to live in the freedom that we talked about last week, isn't it? It's hard. It's a fight. And sometimes, if we're honest, it's so exhausting doing our best to try to live for God, trying to walk in the Spirit like these verses have called us to today, right? I'm not the only one that feels like this. It can be a fight if you're a parent to constantly have grace with your kids and to speak with them humbly and gently over and over and over and over again. It can be hard to love people selflessly at work and take the high road, or as the book of Matthew would say, the narrow road, over and over and over again. Jesus, just like we sang, Jesus wasn't kidding when he described the Christian life like picking up your cross and following him day after day after day. In the Christian life, we know that we need to fight every day to live in the freedom that Christ died for us to have and to experience and to love and to find that eternal, satisfying joy and freedom. But we struggle, don't we? Life is hard, like it was for Frodo. And this struggle comes in many forms and in many places, but where does it start? Where does it originate? It starts in the mind. It starts with our theology. It starts as soon as we're saved in our sinful nature's desire to twist God's good gift of the gospel 
so that God's not glorified and we don't live in freedom. And so let's look at that together. And so to start our conversation, we need to remember the context of the verses we're looking at today because we need to remember last week. There are context. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's from Galatians 5, 13, just a few verses before ours. If you remember last week, we said what? We're called to live in freedom. And we see that pretty clearly there in the white, right? You were called to live in freedom, brothers. And how do you live in that freedom? Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. But what sandwiched? What sandwiched right in the middle of those glorious truths there in the yellow? What's sandwiched in the middle there? What's sandwiched in the middle is the temptation that we all feel, isn't it? Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That's the battle. That's the war that we feel. That we were saved and we would use that freedom for our own good instead of the good of others. That's the warning right there. So let's talk about how that looks theologically and then how it plays out practically in our lives and in our text. So as we consider the gospel, we've talked a lot about these three elements in the gospel. And Dustin, a few weeks ago, talked about a few of them. We're going to talk about them again. They are justification, sanctification, and glorification. Different elements of the gospel, and they all relate very practically to why the Holy Spirit warns us through Paul of this temptation. He says, this is a thing that's going to rob you of the freedom that God wants to give you. And then in, we see in sanctification and glorification, they actually give us the antidote to this issue. But first, let's start at the start. So justification. When you're saved as a Christian, when God comes into your heart and changes your life, then you are justified before God. You're made right in the eyes of God. And remember, it's like looking at a courtroom. And so now knowing that you've been made right in the sight of God, that when he looks at you, he no longer sees your sin and his wrath isn't on you, but instead his love is on you, that can cause a temptation in your heart, can't it? And what's that temptation? Your heart will say to you, you're already saved. So it doesn't really matter if you give everything for God, just give most. But keep a little bit for yourself because you're going to the place you want to go. Maybe the temptation gets bigger. You can live sometimes for God and sometimes for yourself and on and on and on we go. And we can feel different temptations different ways and different people in this room are at different spots along that continuum. But we all feel this temptation to not hate sin, to not fight sin, and instead to be complacent. So that's, that's the flesh twisting God's good gift of the gospel at the start. That God would tell us, hey, your eternal destiny has changed. And then our heart goes, oh, that's great. Now I'm going to live for myself instead of live for God. Here's the antidote, sanctification. What's Sanctification. Sanctification is the big fancy word that just means being made more like God in the power of the Spirit. And that's our text today. That's what we just read. How to be made more like God in the power of the Spirit. 
And so this is why the warning comes. Because if you give in to the temptation in your mind that says to yourself, well, I'm already saved, so I'm going to please myself. I'm not going to live for God. Then here's the problem. You aren't experiencing the freedom God wants to give you as his child. Because being made more like God, letting God change you and living in that is where true freedom is found. And the example that we saw was from our text last week, right? Freedom is found in sacrificially loving others. And we can see that plainly in 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians with me, chapter 8 for a second. It says this, Thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. This is an example of what God does in someone's life. Okay, do 30-second exegesis with me, okay? So, thanks be to God who puts. So in the yellow, God who puts. So who does the work? God. And what does God put? The same earnest care. What's earnest care? It's love. It's love. For you. Who's the you? People. Into the heart of Titus. So who put deep Godly love for others into Titus? God. God did. Look at you, your Bible scholars. It was God changing him. God working in him. And then we have thanks be to God for two reasons. Thanks be to God primarily for what God did because that was God's work that he did, but also because Titus acted on what God put in his heart. He lived in the freedom which brought God glory and blessed those around him. Thanks be to God. And so as we look at the gospel and we looked at sanctification, to live in this freedom, we need to walk by the Spirit because one of the Spirit's jobs is to make us more like God. But it's a fight on this earth, isn't it? That's a fight. That's the war that we're talking about. Because even though we've been justified by faith, our eternal destination has changed, we still carry our sinful nature on this earth. We still carry the ring. We still carry evil inside of us. That's what makes life hard. We're not at the end yet. And so sanctification, though, is the hope. Sanctification is the goodness and it's the joy in this life. And I found that to be absolutely true. And many of you are nodding with me because you know that and you've experienced the same thing. It's why I push you for, to look for God moving in your life. Let me flesh that out for you a little bit. When we are obedient to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, He changes us. And when we live in that, on this earth, in spite of the sin, in spite of the evil, we get heavenly glimpses of the pure freedom, pure joy that we will experience to absolutely no end when we dwell with God forever for all of eternity in heaven. That's where the glimpses are found. That's where the hope's found. It's in those moments where God molds you and shapes you and changes you to be more like himself. That's where you find the freedom. The freedom isn't giving in to the bitterness and say, I'm not going to forgive that person. Where's the freedom found? The freedom's found when you obey God and you forgive that person, even though they don't, they don't deserve it. That's where the freedom's found. And many of you have experienced that. And that's a taste of heaven. 
That's a little glimpse of heaven for your soul. And so that's what gives us hope. Because we see these glimpses of God. And we know how God real? I've experienced God in my life working now. Where's the rest found like we talked about at Christmas? It's in that moment right there where God takes something that your flesh wants to do and instead says no. I'm giving you this instead. You have rest when you can forgive someone else. Regardless of whether or not they've forgiven you back. There's rest for your soul in that. That's God's good gift. And there's joy. Is there not Christians? There's so much joy in following God. You've experienced that. And those are the glimpses. It's the hope, it's the rest, it's the joy that strengthens our faith and causes us to keep going, even though we're in a war and even though life is hard. And then we come to glorification. And that's just the big fancy word for saying, we're going to be in the presence of God and it's going to be awesome. And when we experience God, we're going to experience God unhindered by sin. The war is going to be over. No more struggle, no more exhaustion, no more pain, no more sin. And this is what your heart longs for, doesn't it? This is what your heart is longing for. Most of you know that. Some of you are finding that out. This is what your heart longs for, to be rid of sin. And so practically, let's look at how does this practically play out in our text and in our lives. Look at verse 17 with me as we look at this chunk 16 through 21. Verse 17, this is the war. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. This is the war that you felt this week. It's a fight that you might be feeling right now. As you look at the works of the flesh in this text, look at them with me. If you go a few verses down, keep track with me as we just go through these quickly as a little checklist. See how you've done in your life. I'll tell you how I'm doing in my life. Okay, sexual immorality. Whose thought life is completely pure? Not me. I'm all for one. Impurity. Whose life is unstained by sin? Certainly not me. I'm over two. Sensuality, whose life exhibits excessive behavior or lack of restraint? Check. Idolatry, have you ever loved something more than God? Ashamedly, way too often. Sorcery, not my personal struggle, but for many, yes. That's a real thing. Enmity, have you actively and unrighteously opposed another person or God? I have. Strife. Have you ever had any unrighteous bit of disagreement in your life? Yep. Jealousy? Yep. Fits of anger? Is your heart and your tongue unstained by anger? Mine's not. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Have you kept perfect unity with other Christians, with other people in your life? I'm out on that one too. Envy. Are you always content? No, me either. Drunkenness. Not my personal struggle, but many of us have fallen in this way. Orgies. Has your mind ever gone to an impure place sexually? Mine has. 
What's the standard to pass a test in the kingdom of God? Perfection. If I tally up my list from this not exhaustive list, I'm not even close to perfection. And I would guess you're in the same boat as me. I'm a two for 15, a cool 13% on my test. Not exactly something to write home about, tell the parents. And if God made this list longer, that number would just go down. I got lucky on a couple of things that just don't happen to be a personal struggle that God has given to me. Listen to this carefully. On my own, and on my own is critical, on my own, I fail to fight for freedom all the time. I fail to live in the freedom of the gospel. I can still see the works of the flesh in my life. And that's why Paul reminds us, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You don't need to live in that bondage. You can live in freedom if you walk not alone, but by the Spirit. And so how do we do that? We can make a whole sermon on that. We'll take 20 seconds. Number one, listen for and to the Spirit. Listen for and to the Spirit. That means you need time of silent praying. You need times of silence in your life. Back in the day, when you had to get everywhere with horses, people had lots of time with silence to think and to listen to God. We don't have that now. It's always easy to throw on a podcast, turn on the radio, throw on music on Spotify. We need times of silence, intentional times of silence to listen to God both just structured in our life and in prayer specifically. Talk to God, but then also take time to listen. And then the to the Spirit, that's to obey the Spirit. Obey the Spirit in two ways. The Spirit's going to speak to your hearts. And many of you have experienced that. You've experienced the still small voice of God speaking to your heart. Listen. Listen to the Spirit in that. And number two, the Spirit also inspired the entire Word of God. So you can obey the Spirit and His voice by obeying the Word of God. And then the third thing, trust the Spirit of God. Trust. Like Pastor Ben preached about a little while ago, we actually have to trust. We have to do what God is calling us to do. So you read that or you hear the Spirit prompting you to do something, what do we do half the time? Maybe next week. I'm not sure if I'm really hearing God. So I'll throw that off for another week or two. You got to trust. I don't know if God really knew exactly what he was talking about. There's got to be a reason that's out of context in that verse, why it doesn't apply to me. Right? We do that sometimes. We need to trust. Think about this. This is crazy. And we do it all the time. The Spirit, we're trusting the Spirit for our salvation. The Spirit is the one who has sealed us for the day of redemption. We are trusting the Spirit with our eternity. And yet, we can't trust the Spirit with the small little promptings, the things He's given us in God's Word. That seems backwards. It's backwards in my life. Trust the Spirit. Let's move on to find out about the Spirit as we look at 22 through 26. 
If you look at 22 through 26, you remember that last week we said that ultimately freedom was found in being made more like God, in operating as God operates. And so the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the result of him working in your life is ultimately his, his goal, his desire is to make you more like himself. And that's where the freedom's found, when you're made more like God. And so the fruit of the Spirit isn't just attributes that God pulled out of a hat one day and said, oh, it'd be really nice if people acted this way, so I'm going to write it down and hopefully they'll kind of do some of those things. No, the fruit of the Spirit is all the things that God either is or perfectly exhibits. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is in your life. I put up this chart here. You can take a picture of it or you can find it later on the website. It'll be posted under resources where you find the sermons. You can see it there as well. But I would encourage you to go and to look at the category and then to read the verses. And I could have put 25 verses for many of these. There, there's not just one or two. I put two because the chart would have got small. But it's so cool. It's so cool to see how the fruit of the Spirit, the things that God is calling us to do, he's the perfect example of, or it's who he is. And I'll show you just a few of these so you know I'm not lying to you. The first one's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. What does it say? Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. God is love. It's who he is. The fruit of the Spirit's what? Love. God is love. What about Mark 10, 18? It says this. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Where does all goodness originate from? Who's the epitome of goodness? God. What about this one? From 2 Timothy. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Isn't that wild? Faithfulness is who God is. It's not something that God just does. It actually is who he is. He can't deny himself. He can't help but being faithful. And he wants you to be like him. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And then this last one. This is what we looked at on Christmas Eve. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. I think it's, it's a wild one to me, the fact that God is gentle. It's the heart of Jesus that he is gentle. I think it's a real strong kick in the teeth for some of us men that we should embody gentleness in the way that we deal with our children and our wives and the people around us. That's not always our natural God-given disposition. And it's not always even the thing that we would admire the most about a man. Not often that's the first thing. Oh yeah, I, can't, I love that man. He's gentle. But Jesus says, for I am gentle. And he says, if you find this gentleness, you will find rest. You will find joy. You will find freedom for your souls. That's what he wants to give you because it's what he has. So where's the example found? To find life and not death? It's God. Where's the power found to walk in the freedom instead of bondage? It's God. And how do we access this power, this incredible freedom that God has freely offered to us? Walk by faith, 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There's absolutely a war going on in our minds and in our sinful hearts every single day. So as we fight through this life, experiencing both the pain and the evil of sin and the radiant glory, God-ordained glory of a gospel-driven life that finds freedom, we experience both as Christians. We experience the pain and we experience the glory and the freedom. And we need to remember both. Because yes, we're terrible sinners. I am a terrible sinner. But God also made us saints in Christ Jesus. And though our hearts pull us so hard to use the freedom that God um, died for us in order to please ourselves instead of to serve others, and though we feel the weight of our failures, where we still see those works of flesh in our lives, where we give in to that temptation from 5.13, instead of the fruits of the Spirit, we need help, don't we? But there's really good news. There's really good news, and there's help. And because we're already getting our nerd on today, we're going to do it for a second time. Uh, I don't know how many of you are gamers in this room. There was a lot more people smiling to themselves quietly in the first service uh, about this. And even if you aren't a gamer, you're you're intelligent people, so you'll get this anyways. But for all the gamers in this room, many of you have probably played a game, a computer game in the Total War series or Civilization, or one of those types of games. And for those of you who haven't, it's pretty simple. There are battles in these games. There are wars in these games. And when you enter the battle, the computer brings up a screen. And it gauges the strength of your army as you enter the battle compared to the strength of your enemy. And it shows you the probability of success. Brothers and sisters, here is the good news. In the fight for freedom, the odds of victory are always 100% in the power of the Spirit because God has already won the war. So yes, it's wise to acknowledge that we're in a fight. That's a good, wise thing to do. Yes, it's wise to not forget about the power of the enemy. We can do that, can't we, as Christians? But it's even more foolish to not walk in trust in the might of our God. We've got to stop walking around. We've talked about this before. It's like we've wrapped ourselves with chains that are already broken. So many people saying, I can't have freedom in this. I can't have freedom in this. Yes, you can. Not on your own, but in the power of the Spirit. If we walk in step with the Spirit. Victory may not always look the way that you have envisioned it, but God will absolutely, unequivocally give you victory. He's conquered sin and death for all of eternity. And he offers you the opportunity to live in that freedom now, to experience not just these little glimpses, but bigger glimpses, bigger chunks in your life until you fully experience it with him through faith and trust in the power and spirit of the living God, both here on this earth, and we look forward to the day we experience it fully in heaven 
Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this incredible truth. I pray that you would help us all today to live like you have called us to, to walk in step with the Spirit, to listen and to trust. Lord, we acknowledge the war that's going on. We acknowledge the times that we fail. But Lord, do not let the enemy defeat us. Do not let the enemy lie to us and tell us there's no way out. There is no hope. It's a bold-faced lie because there is always victory found in the Spirit. And I pray that my brothers and sisters here this morning would live in that freedom. I want to live in that freedom. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the desire today to love you more than anything. Because from your word, we know this truth. That our hearts will follow whatever they desire the most. So God, I desperately, desperately, desperately want to desire you above everything else. Would you teach my heart? Would you plant that love in my heart for you and for others that you planted in Titus? That you promised to plant in all of us as Christians? And would you help me to experience the freedom found in being made more like you? Would I love that above everything else, above the works of the flesh? I want to see the fruit of you in my life because the fruit of me on my own, that's the garbage. That's the works of the flesh. The works of you through me, that's the life and the power of the Spirit. That's what I need. That's what we all need. Would you help us to walk in this together as a church? Would we not try to do this on our own? Would we do this together? Would we encourage each other and challenge each other, encourage each other, rebuke each other, exhort each other? In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.